0: What's up, everyone? Yes, it is I, your host, Natalie Morrison, and you might be thinking, wasn't this called Swim Masters? Well, yes, it was, and you're definitely in the right place. We decided that we wanted to give the podcast a bit of a makeover, and we're so proud to introduce to you Revoicing the Future, a Women of Nam podcast. Don't worry. It's still the same content, still the same hosts. We just wanted to take this to the next level. And we're excited that you're joining us on this fantastic journey. The episode that you're currently listening to was recorded before the name change. And I just wanted to let you know that you are in the right spot. So keep on listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for all new episodes of Revoicing the Future, a Woman of Nam podcast coming soon. Welcome to Swim Masters, a podcast dedicated to help connect, grow, and support women in the music products industry. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. The Smart Women in Music Fund was established in 2018 by Robin Walenta, Dee Dee Hyde, and Crystal Morris to expand diversity, inclusion, and support for women in the music products space. Twice a month, I will sit down and host virtual conversations with various women across our industry to help foster mentorship and growth. Now, without further ado, Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Swim Masters. It's your host, Natalie Morrison here. Thank you for tuning in, as always. We're back for another episode. Oh, my gosh. I'm laughing because I was on TikTok earlier today, and John Mayer posted About how, when you're a singer, talking is incredibly difficult because you just end up turning everything into a song. (laughs) And that's me. He was speaking my language. And that is something that I do all the time. And I do it when I'm nervous. And I do it when I'm frustrated about something. It just, I just happen to turn things that I'm talking to into a song. So I just had to add that little. Anecdote in there for you today. Anyway, (laughs) today's episode is a really fun one. And I recorded this a couple of weeks ago, but it was such a blast. And it taught me a lot and it opened my eyes to a lot. And I hope it does the same for all of you who are listening. And I'm not interviewing just one woman, I'm interviewing two incredible forces in this industry, I got the chance to sit and chat with Kimberly Deverell and Robin Sassy of the San Diego Music Studio in San Diego, California. And it was really fun and interesting to hear about how Kimberly and Robin have been working together for over 20 years since the inception of this store and how they have navigated this journey together and how they've navigated the pandemic and how they have introduced various philanthropic efforts into their store and the community that they have grown at their store is so inspiring and yeah that's all i have to say it's so inspiring i'm at a loss of words for how to describe this interview to you <laughs> anyway it's so fun and they're tremendous human beings and i hope that after listening to this episode you feel the same way so with that being said i invite you to sit back relax and enjoy, and I'll see you next time. Hi, Kimberly and Robin. Thank you so much for joining Swim Masters. So excited to have you on the podcast. Hi,
1: Natalie. Thank you so much for having us. We are super excited to be here as well. Great
2: to be here.
0: Of course. So I would love to start um, with a question to both of you. If you could just give us a an overview of your journeys into the music industry where did you start how did you get to where you are now that whole spiel you, want me to start <laughs> you since, have to go
2: since I'm older than you <laughs> by like 30 seconds okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I always tell people this is Rob and I always tell people that um you know I started uh, San Diego Music Studio when I was seven and then I, I hired Kimberly when she was five years old because we don't like to talk about how old we are. <laughs> but um, seriously, I, you know, we all start off in music and I started off as a music teacher and teaching music in the schools. And then from there, um, I'd like to say it grew, but it kind of felt like it escalated might be a better word um and at some point when I was teaching an after-school program I hired this high schooler um who would help me with the theory table at one of my after-school programs and she would take care of all the students doing theory I would teach them piano and we'd switch them off and that person was Kimberly and then you you want to start and then we'll kind of yeah, we'll go back and forth. Yeah. Well,
1: I was gonna start by saying that um, I basically started taking piano lessons when I was nine, uh, grew up loving piano, playing it. I was involved in musical theater in school. I sang in the choirs at school. Uh, I tried band, but it wasn't my thing. Um, I was never a band nerd. And uh, but I was a drama geek. and uh, I, uh, I started teaching piano when I was 16 years old. and then I, one of my girlfriends, we had uh, boyfriends in the same band. She said, my sister started a music store, and she's looking for someone to help, an assistant. So I interviewed with Rob, and I was 16, actually, when I interviewed with her, but she hired me I was turning 17 like a couple of days later and she hired me and I remember sitting at the interview and she's really not all that much older than me. I know. I really wasn't that much older. But I, you know, I was looking at you and I was, you were asking me all these questions. And I'm like nodding my head. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And you said you're hired. And then I had no idea what I I'd got myself into. Um, but so I started the after school program, sort of being the assistant. And then she says, Well, I think I'm going to do this like music store thing. You want to come in and uh, work clerk, clerking at the store. So I started clerking at the store. And then we were doing more group lessons at the store. And then I started teaching more full time. Um, and then uh, at that point, I had graduated from high school and I went to San Diego State for uh, a bachelor's in music education and anybody who has gone for that degree knows how much work that degree is to get and at that point i still wasn't sure if i wanted to teach in the schools Uh, i had done a lot of uh, student teaching and i really enjoyed the elementary school kids so i considered doing general music um but then when I was graduating, this one here offered me a full-time job. Like, I didn't even have to go out and look for one. She said, that the second you're hired, or the second right you graduate, graduate, you're hired. And literally, I graduated, and the next day I started full-time, and I'm straight out of college. Wow. Yeah, straight out of college with, um, you know, with a full-time job, a salaried position, and benefits. And you know, I was pretty excited. The about dream,
0: her. yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. I had to hire her.
2: I couldn't let anybody else snatch her up. <laughs> so that's sort of how I think we got we got
1: started. That was the beginning of our our journey in this crazy mad, madness. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: So, wow. Yeah. That's that's so cool.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's something. Yeah, it's. I still. Once I got here, didn't realize that this is what I really wanted to do. I kind of thought that it would be like a part-time thing, and eventually I would find another job, but I sort of just
2: settled in. Well, she settled in, and she started rocking the boat quite a bit, I think,
0: <laughs> is what happened.
2: <laughs> so the boat kept on changing direction.
0: <laughs> well, that's a really great segue, I guess, into my next question, is I did... I did, did some digging a little bit uh-huh. um, and yeah, like it, your LinkedIn said that you've been with San Diego <laughs> music studio since the beginning of your career. And when I was in school, everyone would tell me that you're going to hop from job to job in the early part of your career. And I'm always interested in hearing from people who've kind of stayed um, with a company for a number of years and had various positions within a company. So did San Diego Music Studio naturally feel like the right home to you or like what, was there a moment where you were like no like this is where i'm going to this is for me?
1: Y- yes, i well it always felt like home. Um i will say at when i first accepted the job i didn't see i didn't see myself working here forever. That's the
2: first I've heard
1: of her. I <laughs> thought she's always going to stay here forever.
2: This is news
1: to me. I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting myself into at the time. You know, <laughs> like you, I've just figured it would be, you know, a job that I had for a while um, and then moved on to another job. But once, once I got here, um, I, I fell in love. I fell in love with the business and I got in so early. I was 17. So uh, I've been here 24 years now and uh-huh. I got in so early that the business really became like my baby. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I have nurtured that baby and watched it grow. And um, I've been really fortunate to actually have a lot of different jobs here within this business. And I think that that's part of the reason I've stayed here for so long. One of the many reasons I've stayed here for so yeah. long. Um, but my, my job has sort of shifted and changed so much over the years and I've been sort of able to make that pathway for yeah. myself. Um, Robin and I have always been really, uh, great partners and, um, you know, initially I was teaching full time and I think where the shift happened really was when you told me two weeks before law school, um, she was leaving me to go to law school. It was 2007. And uh, she said, you know, I'm going to be gone for three years. Do you think you can, you know? Well, I didn't say that. Yes, you
2: I, did. No, I said, <laughs> I said listen, I'm, we have different recollections of what actually happened here. I thought, well, I'm going to go to law school. And how hard could it be, right? You know, you just go. There's only these many hours a day. La, la, la. So I said, yeah, I'm going to go to law school in a couple weeks. So
1: at that point, I was um, gone for
2: like three years. She yeah. was gone for <laughs> at me for three
1: years. And, um, you know, I was 27, I think at that time. Mm-hmm. And I really had no uh, managerial experience uh, other than just observing Robin's skills. And she just said, hey, you're, I'm pulling you off of the full-time teaching and you're going to manage full-time. And goodbye. <laughs> And I joke about that moment because I always say that that was like a sink or swim moment. Yeah, and I I went swimming, so um, that that sort of uh, kind of changed the trajectory for for I think my uh, my job here, and because from that moment on I was running it.
2: Right. So I, I want to interject here because I I feel you know um, your question was about having different jobs within a company. And I think the advantage for Kimberly in starting off with with a small company, which really was kind of a startup, is that she was able to establish what kind of job she wanted. Mm. Because there were vacancies all over mm. the place. We were all wearing like a dozen different hats. I probably had a dozen different emails and it wasn't until you know a couple of years ago that I was actually able to dole them out to actual people who ran those <laughs> sections of the business. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but but I think Kimberly always created what type of job she wanted at the time in the business. So in the beginning, although she started off doing, you know, being a clerk or being a teacher's assistant and then and then teaching, and then I remember her saying, I'm gonna get burnt out on this and I'm thinking, Okay, well let's let's shift. And she shifted into managing. And managing was great, day to day purchasing. Yeah, I learned was, a lot from that. Yeah, purchasing, and then things um, things keep shifting. You know, she'll she'll find an area and she'll want to go in that area, and I just I just let her go. So there's certain people you can do that with. You can say um, you do what you want, and, and and the best thing you can do for them is just stay out of their way. Yeah, just stay out of their way and let them do what they're going to do, and whatever they're going to do is going to be great, and you give them support. And uh, then those are great people to work with. So essentially, Robin has let me do whatever I want. It's pretty much (laughs) that. I mean, people hear me all the time. Kimberly gets whatever she wants. Just give her whatever she wants. Oh my gosh.
1: But I always need something out of it. Yeah. Okay. So I do, you know, and um, yeah. And also I never get bored, right? Um, My job changes every couple of years. So I don't have to go out and find another job because I'm creating a new job here at the store. So, um so yeah, it's always been you know a, a home for me. I mean, it really fits well with my family life. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, it's super flexible. this whole past year, my kids have been coming with me to work, wow. and you know, and if I need to leave, you know, to take them to appointments and or come in late, um, I get to do that. So it's very, very flexible, and i I value. Uh, My flexibility. I'm working a lot more from home now. Um, Yeah, I kind of of get to
0: do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Moral of the story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I get whatever I want.
0: (laughs) But I want to backtrack for a second because, Robin, you said that you left for three years to go to law school. What inspired you to take that step? Well, there's a lot of theories. The first
2: that comes to mind. Well, Kimberly says I always wanted to go. You did, right? yeah. From the moment yeah, from I met the, you, you talked about okay, going to law yeah. School. So, so it was always there. Um, and then, actually, and I had, I had a child, and then I had another child, and then I guess you know, just being a glutton for punishment, I said, well, gee, I have this baby, let me go to law school. Um, so I, and and also I, I just felt that I needed something a little bit more. And you know retail's fine, but you know it's really about buying and selling, and then you just do more of it and and that sort of thing. Customer service is great, and that's wonderful, and teaching's wonderful, too. But I wanted something more, and I felt the the draw to go to law school and And once I got there, I felt like I was amongst my people uh, for a time, and it was it's definitely a great experience. I think everybody should have that experience, the law school experience. But I don't think everybody should be a lawyer. I agree with that. It's been great for the business. <laughs> yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's been super handy.
2: <laughs> we need that sure. contract written. Yeah. Like, We're going to forward this to our legal department. It's <laughs> at It's <laughs> Com. Get
1: another email. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'm not going to. Say that it didn't benefit us in a lot of ways but what's interesting about it is I think that it took this very oh, right. expensive law degree for Robin to realize how much fun it is to work at the music <laughs> studio. Yeah, it is. She doesn't gets this degree and then she would much rather work here.
2: Well it's because like I practiced for a while yeah. so I got the degree and then I was practicing law pretty actively for a while that was crazy. And thank, thank goodness we have a coffee machine, and uh, and so I was still gone practicing law, and and it and it's just some in some ways I love it, and in some ways it's just horrible, and then then I come back here and I'm like oh my gosh this is fun look, I'm vacuuming, I'm getting stickers for the teachers. I'm making coffee. This is great. I love this. I get to talk to people and they're not wanting to yell at me and threaten to disbar me. I love it. <laughs> it's uplifting. It's uplifting. It's here. it's about building here as a op- as opposed to tearing down, which is a lot of what law is. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. So as store owners with like such a strong educational component, have, how have you navigated through this time to provide the best experience for your customers and your students?
2: So I think there's a lot of different ways to approach education. And one of them is this, this teaching thing, right? Where we teach them, this is a quarter note, this is a half note, this is how you play a piece, this is how you develop a piece. Uh, but a lot of the teaching that we do here at the studio and this is our this is our basic core philosophy which we try to train all our teachers um, to do is we want the kids to teach uh, to, to, to think for themselves we want the children to think critically we want them to analyze uh, we want them to, to approach things in a logical way and still put passion and, and heart into it um, this past year has been challenging as far as teaching the notes, but not exactly about teaching the music of life, mm-hmm. which is how, the, I think a lot of the students learned a lot from following our example. They learned about flexibility, which you need to have in music, okay? You know, we have our ebbs and flows, our rubatos, and what have you. They learned a lot about flexibility this year. They learned a lot about letting go. Uh, they learned a lot about rolling with it. Uh, they learned a lot about improvisation. And these things, I'm, I'm using this as an analogy. It's a, it's a music analogy, but it's a life yeah. analogy. And a lot of the kids uh, that we taught when we were online for a while uh, learned that from us. It was a lot of it was therapy sessions and not just for the kids. It was for the parents. Oh, we okay. spent many,
1: a, many a lesson just talking.
2: Just talking. And we had a lot of parents come to us right before the shutdown and and panic. What are we gonna do? The kids are gonna be out of school for two or three months. They're going to be behind. They're going to be behind. And we would say, Listen, the whole world is going to be behind. Okay. If this is a competition, don't worry. We're all gonna be behind. Okay. <laughs> because I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. And and there's other things to teach your kids. And and we're both parents. Yeah. And and your kids learn some things. Oh my right? gosh, my kids. Spent the whole last like nine months outside in the dirt. They started businesses. Yeah, <laughs> they started business. Both of our kids started little businesses. Oh it was so gosh. cute. Car washing,
1: and, you know, dog
2: walking. And, you know, they come
1: home. They come home. They'd there uh, they was mm-hmm. drawing maps of our of our park. We live in the, we have a little private park in our in our neighborhood. Yeah. So that never shut down. It, it's mostly yeah. just grass. But um, all the kids in our neighborhood, they were all together for
2: the last nine months, or and bedazzling the bicycles. wasn't yeah, there a bedazzled yeah, bicycle yeah, oh gosh, yeah, thing, and- making
1: yeah. so they, uh, you know, I, as much as I tried, not tried to keep them doing their schoolwork, I sort of, at some point, you just have to let go, and say, just, just go, because I, I was stressed, and trying to figure out uh, the balance between work and home, and and so I just let them kind of run wild, sort of like I did as a child. And I turned out just fine. So, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they, they, uh, they learned a lot, I think, um, right. just from being outside. And, and luckily, they were not isolated for the last yeah. nine months. So yeah. 12 months, actually. 12 yeah. months. So I, I, think I Can you believe it? No, <laughs> yeah, Like in two days. Yeah. 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 It was supposed to be three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah, i can't believe it <laughs> you're in new york right yes yeah so i think okay. new york and california oh
0: yeah but, yeah. Work. <laughs> yeah yeah well i also i i when we started to hear that it was getting really bad in new york because it got really bad in new york really quickly Yeah. I went to my parents' house in New Jersey. I was like, I'm not staying in my tiny apartment. Like this is not gonna happen. And I was home for seven months. And then I came back in October and it's we're still here. I bet they they loved having you home. Oh yeah, my mom was really, really happy. Yeah. (laughs) So was my dad, but my mom was like, Oh, I'm just so happy that you're here. One of the one of the benefits. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I think a lot of people learned a lot
1: this year we we did a lot within the community during the time as well just to just to keep keep our community focused um like for example we have a local coffee shop that we we promote we do our recitals coffee house recitals there and they were great they took a bunch of our ukuleles and they were able to stay open they were outdoors they're an outdoor coffee shop um and so they did like all this curbside and so they were selling ukuleles for us drive through ukuleles (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah we we gave all of our students cuz we converted all of our group students to private half hour
2: lessons and we were dying it was
1: it was a lot it was, it was hard, hard. <laughs> and so but to, you know to thank all of these people for sticking with us
2: we we did a lot oh we gave we gave the kids this uh certificate that said something it was a golden ticket it was a golden ticket cuz we get we have a ticket system here for Candy and popcorn and stuff. Yeah, and it was worth a hundred tickets. It was the golden ticket, and it said something about for surviving the pandemic, worldwide pandemic, something on there. And, and like some of the kids are like, I'm never turning this in. Some I'm, of the parents framed
1: you know, and them it, framed it, put up
2: on the kids' wall, <laughs> you know, and. Um, God,
1: what else we, we were doing like home deliveries of music. Oh courses. my gosh. I was
2: running. Cause some of our teachers, well, not our teachers, the teachers in the community are elderly. Like they are these elderly ladies and they don't know how to go online and buy certain editions of whatever. They just come to the music store and buy it. And so they would call in their order. I would get it together. And then I'd run it and toss it at their front door <laughs> and take their card over the phone. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. And we developed this cool, new um we we're looking for new ways to find purpose right because oh, yeah. people need goals yeah right? right
2: they need something to work towards
1: and we place didn't place. have
2: a recital yeah
1: and mm-hmm. then didn't have a recital
2: again <laughs> and then i think the third time had a no recital <laughs> so what are these kids doing why are they playing so yeah we developed like a trophy system here and oh it's we, so
1: cute they have to learn like some core repertoire pieces and you know and when they learn it they get a trophy for it so like the Minuet G Trophy and, you
0: oh, know, this, it, this warms it. my heart. This, it's just yeah. so nice to hear the community that you've built within like your, your students and the, and the families of the students. And it just sounds like such a fun place to spend your time. And I love that.
1: Yeah. Yes, we love <laughs> yes, yes. We love being Yes. Yes. It's a mom and mom shot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what we should say. It's a mom and mom shop, not yes. mom and pop. I'm like, it's a mom and pop, but with no pop. But I, I love what you said about teaching the music of life. And I know as we're going through this transition of why music education is so important, like we have for so many years, but that's what music, that's why music is so great. Cause it's another way to teach these life lessons that. Kids might not get in their science classes or their math classes and whatnot. So I love that you emphasize that specifically during this time. It makes us human, yes. And
2: I think especially music when when you compare music to some of the other academics out there. And I I put music as an academic because you learn it; it's (laughs) an it's actual skill. Okay, you can you can get a job doing it much sooner after high school than you would you know, what, English or math or science. I think the nice thing about music is, is you know, I know there's this big auditory component, but, you know, with the, with the visual, with the seeing it and the playing it and the hearing it, you understand that we have certain rules, all right? We have certain notes, and these notes are supposed to be in certain places. But if we follow the rules so strictly, it's going to sound bad. You need to bend a little bit. You need yeah. to put a little bit of yourself into it. You need to play with the time a little bit and make it your own. But you can't do that if you're so strict with everything. And it's the same thing with science. And it's the same, well, math, I guess the answer is the answer is the answer. But there's many different ways to get there. Um, and But especially for science, if if we just accept everything as a given, we're never going to get anywhere. We need to question. We need to have some flexibility and, and, and maybe push the envelope a little bit.
0: I love that. Great answer. <laughs> so Robin, <laughs> yes. um, I would love to learn about the Philippines Ukulele Project and what inspired you to start the initiative and just give everyone an overview.
2: So um, I'd like to think that I wish I had an, a, a very concrete answer as to how I came up with this. All I know is I hear from Kimberly and my mother that I somehow called them in the middle of the night and said, "I have an idea, which happens almost daily
1: around here, i I, by do, the way. I do i do <laughs> I have
2: an idea, and she turns around, okay, I'm listening, and I'm like, well, it was just like maybe we could do this for lunch, but okay uh, <laughs> but no for the for the Philippines ukulele project, um my mother lives in the Philippines and you know, we are inspired by the other people in the music industry as far as what they do to promote music um, education um, locally or worldwide. You know, we're, we're a small store, and um, but does that mean that we're limited? Does that mean that we're just limited to what we do locally? And we've done a lot locally. We, we give away a lot in scholarships. We get a lot, give away a lot to our schools and, and free repairs and working with local businesses. But why should we just be limited here? So my mother is in the Philippines and uh, she works a lot with kids there and she sews them shorts and you know has these lunches and stuff for them. And then I got this idea that I could go over there and I could teach them. And then it got narrowed down to the ukulele. What can I teach them? I am not going to bring a violin to the Philippines. It's too humid, it's too much of a temperamental instrument as it is. I'm not going to bring any wind instruments. There's the reeds, there's the repairs, um, the expense, and that we had a ukulele club that would meet here every weekend. And the ukulele was actually a very good solution. Um, It's compact. I can pack a lot of them onto a plane. They don't require too much maintenance. They're small enough for kids to play. And so I guess I called up Kimberly and I said I have an idea, <laughs> and uh, and I also call. Well, I, I had to text my mom and she said and she said I had to call you right away because I knew it was the middle of the night where you were at, and so it must have been a good idea. And then there we go. <laughs> uh, so 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 I, I I put it together, and and what was nice is that we have this, like I said, we have this ukulele club here but but one of the one of the things i like about it is that you know i feel that you know we're we're on one big earth here and the idea i don't i don't know if i'm getting like all like philosophical, philosophical <laughs> and maybe metaphysical or what have you but i think it's really important for people to establish connections with other people and not just people within your family or people within your immediate community but you know, I think about it, there's somebody like us out there in the world and they might not be in our city or even in our country. There might be somebody in another country that's like another one of us. So when I gathered these ukuleles that were donated by these generous donors, a lot of these people I knew. So I thought about their personality and what they were like. And and when I went to the Philippines, I attempted to match the donor with the child according to the personality of the donor and the personality of the child. So for example, I had someone I met of all places in a bar who decided to donate a ukulele and him and his wife met and bonded over a tool concert. So he said, I want to donate. And I'm like, okay. And I thought, well, what sort of ukulele could I possibly get that would Seem like this guy who loves tool. And I found this this black ukulele and everything with a shark on it. I said, okay, this is a ukulele that I feel like he would get, you know, because he, he gave me the money and he said, just buy a ukulele and, and give it to a kid. And so when I went to the Philippines and I was teaching a class, they're, they're all sitting around in a row and there's this little boy over there and he's, he's sitting around and he's just kind of being Mr. Hotshot. And my mom looks over at me and she goes, that one, he's trouble. He's trouble that one. And I said, oh, he's going to be perfect for that ukulele. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I give him the tool ukulele, and we're trying to learn something simple, you know, like twinkle, twinkle, little star. And I turn over and I look over at him, and he's like headbanging to the, to the ukulele. And I'm like, this is a perfect match. This is a perfect match. So the person that I feel, you know, was probably just some headbanger, whatever, tool concert, crazy guy, there's another little kid. There's a kid in the Philippines that's very much like him and he's going to to benefit from his generosity and and learn.
0: Wow. That's so cool. Oh, I love that so much. So, how often in non-covid times, how often do you travel to the Philippines with these ukuleles for the stu- for the kids over there?
2: Well, I was trying to go twice a year and uh, I was uh, I was going to go in April 2020. That's yeah. yeah, and then yeah. that April and April and October. I was aiming for for that time. So did you you made it over there three times, right? Before, I made it over three times before because we started this when in 2019, 18? 18, and then yeah. I went twice in nineteen, and then yeah. I was going to go in twenty, and then it didn't happen. Yeah. And then and we still had people donating, so I had shipped some of these ukuleles over ahead of time. They're waiting for me right yeah. now. And she you wow. have it on the books to go hopefully hopefully in October. Yeah. yeah. And now it's gotten to the point. I think we're going to, I haven't worked it out exactly, but we're going to try and work with the schools there um, just so we can hit a wider range of kids. And, and honestly,
1: we're in the process. She is in the
2: process of uh,
1: (laughs) of, uh, getting the 501
2: c. Yeah. c three. Yeah. yeah, We're trying to be a nonprofit at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Because
1: so many people are asking if they can donate and, you know, it would be nice to have that as a tax
2: write-off. And- for, yeah, for the people who are willing to donate. I mean, yeah. a lot of people are donating anyways. I mean, it wasn't our intent to really set up
1: it wasn't. Uh, this
2: uh, was never. It's never it, the intention, but it always ends up going somewhere. We weren't <laughs> intending to start a nonprofit, but it's going in that direction. And and honestly, I wanted to make sure it was going to take hold. Is this going to really happen? Are we going to really do this? Am I really going to dedicate the time to go to the Philippines twice a year? Right. Um. You know. But right now we have we have. Oh, the last time I was there, I had two teachers who wanted to learn so that they could continue teaching the children when I'm not there. So it's branching out a little bit. And I told those two teachers, I said, okay, here's the ukulele you have. When I come back, if I can see that you've taught these children and you have something to show me, I can give you a better ukulele. writing them yes with ukuleles i will get you a better ukulele if you can show me <laughs> that you're spreading you know the teaching around and uh that i haven't been in contact with with a lot of them just because it's, it's been difficult right now
0: yeah oh i love this initiative this is so cool thank you, you babe. Aww. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> so as two incredible women in the industry and working as closely together as you do for as long as you have, what have you learned from each other that's helped you both grow over the years?
1: Okay. So I feel like it would be easier to answer that question with like, what haven't I learned?
2: I think that would be a
1: lot easier. (laughs) Um, But I think if I had to sum it up, I don't know. Um, I think that Robin has taught me to be a great leader Mm. and there's so many, that encapsulates so many qualities, right? To teach someone to be a great leader. Um, don't cry. (laughs) We we haven't talked about this at all. Uh, Um, so I, uh, you know, one of the things that she's done is, you know, she leads by example. And I I know there's a lot of different leadership styles out there, but the, the lead by example is is the one that works for me. It's my style as well, probably because I followed I watched you do it for so many years. I, like she said, she vacuums. You know, and she's not too high and mighty to, to jump in and participate and show us all that you know she's in it. Um, and not to mention, she has taught me over the years that it is okay to make mistakes Uh, (laughs) which is really powerful i mean it's empowering let's say she has always empowered me um she's always been supportive of my professional development and growth and uh, you know any opportunity that i've i've had she's been so supportive uh, she, you know, she's the owner of the business. Technically speaking, she should be on the NAM board, but, but, she, you know what I, she, but when, you know, she, she wanted me to do it and she, she doesn't even care that I'm representing um, the studio. So I would, she's so generous and she's just, you've taught me so much about life, about business, about. Ethics about risk taking, about strategy, about poker. Oh my gosh!
2: <laughs> Kimberly,
1: <laughs> about investing, about you oh, know, that, risking,
2: those are fun times. About yeah.
1: Bitcoin.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> I mean, we could go on and on, oh. and on and on and on and on. But ultimately, I think what it all boils down to is that she has, you know, allowed me to become a great leader and boss. And now I am able to do the same for other people around. So it's sort of like a pay it forward thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So beat that. Oh, I
0: will. Oh. <laughs> are you ready? Okay, let's get are you ready.
2: <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> okay.
1: Not ready okay. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: get, I just gave her the snap snap. Okay. So Kim- Kimberly and I have worked together for a very, very, very long time. And I would have to say my relationship with Kimberly is one of the most significant relationships that I have in my life. And I have learned a lot. Uh, And it's nothing that I think she, she went out to try and teach me. It's just, it's, it's something that I've learned in the experience of, going through so many ups and downs with this person. And so what I have learned from her is I've learned a lot about people. I've learned about what makes them tick, how not to tick them off, how to make them feel good. Uh, I've learned a lot about loyalty, fragility, um, and from that also strength. And this comes a lot from going through some very, very difficult times. And I've had some very, very difficult times personally. And Kimberly basically kept this whole entire store afloat during that time. Um, And for that reason, I say, she can have whatever she (laughs) wants. You need a car, I'll buy you a car. You want a Peloton? It's yours, babe. What do you want? What can I get for you? I'll buy it. (laughs) <laughs> um, but there's no amount of, of things that I can buy for her that can equal what she has given to me, um, which I have to say is, is pretty much one of the most significant relationships that I have in my life and the longest running. Absolutely. Absolutely the longest running relationship. And uh, if, stick together. I, yeah, and if anybody, if anybody knows me, it's her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If anybody wants to see where the bodies are buried, ask her. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. You know, and, and, you know, and this, these are things that come over, come, 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 come about over time. You know, it's, it's like uh, when I went, uh, when I went to that one country one time and I said, here's my laptop uh and just in case i don't come back (laughs) and i and she said okay well how do i get in is it this password because she does have a lot of passwords i said no this is this is what the password is and she said oh this is a whole different level of password and i said yeah i think that is the final password you've got that oh my gosh (laughs) and that is that is the last one <laughs>
0: so I just love the chemistry between the two of you. It's amazing. It's just it's so fun and bubbly and thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank you.
1: I will tell. I you, love it. Um, this we've always been strong, but this last year completely strengthened our bond. I mean, if it was ninety nine
2: percent before, it's like a hundred and ten percent now. Right.
1: Um, we oh. are in the trenches together. And that's when you really get to know somebody. Yeah. I would
2: say you really get to know somebody when, when you fought with them and it's either you fought against them or you fought alongside them. And we have fought alongside each other through this whole entire thing. And we've really gotten to know each other and, and, you know, Kimberly's seen me break down. You've seen me break down so many times um, before this. And then this time it's, uh, this whole COVID experience, I, you know. Oh yeah, I broke down a lot. She, <laughs> broke, she broke down a lot, and I and and, was and I was so happy to be there for her. I'm like, I can do <laughs> this. I can do this for her. Like,
1: no, it's it's we're usually both standing, right? Right. And and if one of us falls, the other one is there to pick the other one up. Right. And uh, yeah, we have been there for each other. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank God, neither one of us we didn't both fall this year.
2: No, we didn't. We both had weekdays, but but not at the same time. not at the same not at the same not at the same time. And I don't think that'll ever happen. No, Okay. No. because I had my falling down time <laughs> during that one time, and then then, then you had your falling down yeah. time, and then uh, we both fallen, and and so we scraped our knees, and now the skin is rough on the knees, and we're like, Argh. we'll just
0: <laughs> we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, final question as. Again, as two female leaders, what do you hope to see for the future of the industry? And what advice do you have for other women who are currently in the industry or who want to join it?
1: There is so much um, professional development, I think, available in in this industry. Um, I, I want to continue to see the change that we're making now, right? The change with swim um the change with the younger generation i'd like the gen- i'd like the industry to just continue to get better because it's, it's it's a great industry but it can always be better so we have um you know we've got NAMYP, right and we've got gen next and we've got swim and i think that we need to continue to offer these professional development opportunities to our young people so that when they get to where we are um they can do great things as well Um, I think, uh, my advice would be for these young people to get involved because for me, I didn't really start getting involved in anything really till about 2012. And then I realized, uh, everything that was available, all of the the extra stuff that Nam has available to its members. And I started attending, you know, I started going to uh, summer Nam and, uh, and uh, you know the top 100 dealer awards and I got to see what other uh, music stores were doing and it was so inspiring and then I got to go to the fly-in and um and that really just hooked me and uh, you know there's so many opportunities available and you just have to uh, take advantage of those opportunities and get involved and it might feel uncomfortable like have you heard the the old philosopher's story of how lobsters grow. Have you heard that? The analogy? That's my favorite analogy. And I think about it every time a new opportunity comes around, right? The lobster is a soft, pliable creature and its shell is hard in order for it to continue to grow. You know, it gets combined in its shell, it has to shed its shell, and then it grows. And then it does this, you know, several times throughout their life. So whenever I'm feeling nervous about a new opportunity, I just I think of that lobster and I think about how many great things have happened to me because I have shed my shell and grown so much over the years. So just get over it, <laughs> get over your fears and get involved and learn and grow and take every opportunity that comes to you.
2: That's my advice. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to expand on that. Go. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of times uh, people in general, we kind of go with this idea that we should be a certain way. And I'm going to, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but, you know, back in the eighties, there was this thing called women can have it all. And uh, so you're going to be a woman and you're going to have it all. You're going to wear that suit. You're going to break the glass ceiling and you're going to have the kids and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And it, 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 after a while I realized it wasn't have it all. It was do it all. Okay, it's a big difference. Mm. Um, I think uh, people need to get comfortable with not being. I think people need to be comfortable with being no longer comfortable with these roles that we've been given or think we've been given by society. You should be this way. You should behave this way. You should say these things. You should, you should do this. You should do that. Uh, you know, as, as a wife, you should be this, as a mother, you should be that. And, um, and I, and I think especially for women, it's been difficult because you never feel like you're doing anything good enough. And that was something I got to help coach Kimberly through it because I had been through it before. And as a working mom, and this goes for, for, it doesn't matter if it's music industry or not, no matter what you're doing, you feel like you're bad at it. You're a bad mother because you're at work. You're bad at work because you're thinking of your kids. Um, and it's not have it all. It's you're trying to do it all. And I think we need to let some things go. Um, and I think uh, even just career-wise with people going into the industry, you, we don't have to think that you know a music store has to operate this way or um, a piece has to be played. Or um, this is the way it's always done. so this is the way we're going to do it. I think if anything, in the last year, we've learned that, boy, we need to maybe rethink how we do a lot of things. Um, That goes for just not only our roles, but, uh, but how we do business. And I think how we can approach that is just, you know, not just thinking outside of the box, but let's just like not have a box at all. Why do we need the box? Get rid of it.
1: I always say it's okay to be good. You don't have to be great at everything. It's okay to be good,
2: but I want to be great at. Everything. We want to. Be <laughs> <Sometimes> you...
1: <laughs> Not all the time.
0: <laughs> That's so true, though. It, great. It, it's so true. We think that we have to do everything perfectly, but we really don't. Yeah, and you know when it's okay,
2: it's okay to be not that great of a mom sometimes you know I think sometimes kids uh learn a lot from having lousy parents, you know, like oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do your laundry <laughs> <Yeah>. good luck <laughs> uh, you know sometimes i I think we're we're so intent on. Make, make sure the kids have this, and they're not deprived of that, and they're not deprived of this, and, and maybe what they need to be is deprived of a little something. So they got to work a little bit towards something. I do that with my children all the time. <laughs> I'm working, <laughs> I'm working <on> it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you were, Kimberly was just talking, we were just talking, was it today about jacks and the bottle? Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how what a relief it was when they were able to hold their own bottle, Right. But in order for them to hold their own bottle, you gotta let go of the bottle and let them like, hold, oh, yeah. somebody's not, uh, the th- doesn't, <laughs> nobody's holding the bottle. I gotta try and get the bottle myself. You know, it's just like when I left for law school. Yes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You were manager, but she really didn't become a manager or grow into that managerial role until I was no longer there at all, and that's when she really grew. Hmm. That was a
1: great opportunity.
2: I know, I know. She nearly quit.
1: <laughs> no, I, oh, I did not. Do not remember. No, I would
2: never have quit. You... I would never quit. Okay, I like thought
1: you. That. said I would never you... leave. I... no. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to. No. Well.
2: <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> okay. There. Oh. Oh. There was that other time. Okay. I remember now. Yeah, I got it mixed up. Okay.
1: See, I'm right. I'm right, and I she usually right.
2: am. Uh, <laughs> she wants to say, You're right. You're I make right, her say right. it a
1: couple of times. I know. I had to
2: say it a few times. You're right, Kimberly. She, she's, we're working on her positive affirmation. I, I know. I'm trying to, the, the words of affirmation thing, that's my weakest. Uh,
1: and I love
2: She I loves love the words of affirmation. affirmation. So so I've, I've had to learn how to speak that love language for Kimberly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, thank you both for such a fun episode this was great and you are both truly incredible women and very inspiring and just thank you thank you thank again Natalie, for the opportunity we really do of appreciate course. it <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of swim masters Don't forget to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all new things Swim. We'd love it if you'd share and leave us a review. If you would like to learn more, please visit www.smartwomenandmusic.org. This episode was co-produced and edited by Stephanie Lamond and Natalie Morrison. See you next time.